Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. One of the great devotional exercises of this last generation has been given to us uh, by Father Michael Gately in his 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's been translated into 15 languages and really one of the most popular and influential Catholic books of, well, recent times. Father Michael has, in fact, uh, embarked upon a series. He's had 33 Days to Morning Glory. He's had 33 Days to Merciful Love. And now we have the third installment. It's 33 Days to Greater Glory, a total consecration to the Father through Jesus based on the Gospel of John. And Father has joined us a few times before here and is the Director of Evangelization for the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, Information Director of the Marian Missionaries of Divine Mercy. And Father, it's great to have you back here. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Al. Thanks for having me on. You have really been hard at work helping to promote these uh, devotional disciplines and exercises. Tell us a little bit about how you first uh, struck upon the idea of this series, 33 Days. Uh, the, re- the way I kind of started with it was um, I had done the St. Louis de Montfort uh, 33-day consecration to Jesus through Mary mm-hmm. um, when I was in college. Yes. And um, I just I was on a retreat one day, and I had inspiration to write a, a bit of an easier version, yes. or easier-to-use version, yep. um, because I remember when I had done it, it was a time of great grace, uh, but it was very difficult, and I knew a lot of people who had attempted to do a Marian consecration but had stopped uh, because it was... Um, it was just it was it was too difficult for them or mm-hmm. hard for them to persevere. So I thought um, that Mary, you know, essentially Marian consecration is accepting Mary as our spiritual mother, and I love the conviction that she wants as many of her children as possible to entrust their lives to her motherly care. And so um, that's how I kind of started is to use a, a more accessible version so that more of Mary's children um, would give themselves more fully to her, so she could bring them more closely to her son. So yeah. that. That was the basic inspiration yeah, for it. Yeah, Were you surprised at how, uh, really, how magnificently it was received? In one sense, yes. In another sense, no. Um, in one sense, no, because um, I know I'm a weak, broken instrument. I'm not the best of writers, so <laughs> the success of the book surprised me. In um, <laughs> another sense, no, because I've got some really amazing uh, friends and family um, who prayed for me over the years. Uh, one of whom, um, several of whom are, are consecrated women, and I know that they're very generous in prayer with the Lord, and I know that they pray for me very hard, and so um, I wasn't surprised to see something like that, because I know the Lord loves these women, mm-hmm. these spiritual mothers that I have, and uh, that He heard their prayers and made uh, the work of my uh, this broken instrument very, very fruitful. And I, I know, I wasn't surprised, because I know that these are holy women who whose prayers are effective. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, the book um, is dedicated to your father, uh, your dad, and it's uh, you have a, an epigram, Jesus saying, I love the Father. This is a total consecration to the Father through Jesus, based on the Gospel of John. Uh, tell us about that. Why the focus on the Father? Uh, it, the focus on the Father for me is really rooted in my uh, several things, but I think the main thing is that I... Uh, listened to an audio version of the Gospel of John mm-hmm. uh, early on in my religious life that has become a constant companion for me that has really nourished my spiritual life tremendously. That is just listening to the Gospel of John over and over. Yeah. And something that's very clear for me, at least, in, in my reading and my listening to the Gospel of John is is that uh, 
as Pope Benedict XVI put in his uh, book, Jesus of Nazareth, that the real, the, the fine point, really, of Jesus's consciousness is the Father. And in the Gospel of John, um, where Jesus uh, speaks more than any of the other Gospels, he really speaks a lot about the Father, especially in the Farewell Discourse. And um, I've just always been uh, deeply consoled by especially the Farewell Discourse, especially chapter 17 of the Gospel of mm-hmm, John, mm-hmm. of how... Um, how much Jesus loves the Father. That quote, I love the Father, comes from the farewell discourse of the Gospel of John. And so um, one of the big catalysts for me to write the book was just about, I've been listening to the Gospel of John pretty intensely for the last 20 years or so, or almost 20 years. And um, the heart of it, the heart of Christ, um, in terms of his love, is is really the Father. And so, so that was sort of the inspiration for it. It was really inspired by my reading of it and listening to the Gospel of John. Do you think that in some way the Father, um, it used to be said that the Holy Spirit was the forgotten member of the Trinity. Uh, I'm not sure that can be said any longer. Um, in some ways, the, maybe the Father is the forgotten member of the Trinity these days. Um, it, what does, what does uh, consecration to the Father bring to us that is distinct from what we might receive from consecration, say, to the Blessed Mother or to Jesus? Yeah, so uh, for me, uh, the consecration to Mary or the consecration to Jesus, the Divine Mercy, Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's really those are all preparatory or steps along the way of the ultimate consecration, which is to God our Father. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way I look at it is when we entrust ourselves to the care of Mary Immaculate, who as St. Maximilian Kolbe teaches us, is, is, is a spouse of the Holy Spirit, which is something he took from the Franciscan tradition of, of spiritual theology, that Mary and her close relationship to the Holy Spirit is such that she and her spouse, the Holy Spirit, lead us to a deeper personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But just as it doesn't end with Mary, um, because Mary leads us to Jesus, right. Jesus, it doesn't end with him, he leads us to the Father. Yes. And um, so the consecration to the Father, for me, is really the the theological and spiritual completion of those other consecrations. Because Mary, it's never just about Mary. Mary and her spouse, the Holy Spirit, are always leading us to Jesus Christ, our Savior. But even Jesus Christ, our Savior, as he said to Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of John after the resurrection, you know, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Right. Um, that, that Jesus himself is such that He's always wanting to bring us home to the Father. So for me, what the consecration of the Father does is, is it helps complete the spiritual trajectory of our Marian devotion, mm-hmm. um, the, the culmination of which is our Marian consecration. And it's also the culmination, I think, of our, of our adoration and, and following of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus says, follow me to us, um, I think you could, you could argue, based on the reading of the Gospel of John, is that what he's saying is, follow me home to the Father. To the Father, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's where Jesus is going. Um, you refer to the abuse crisis in the introduction to the book here, and uh, is there? do you see that perhaps part of the problem that we've faced with the, uh, the abuse mess, uh, is, is, that, is there some, does that, is that symptomatic of a failure to understand the fatherhood of God? Well, I'll put it this way. Um, the he- news headlines and things like that that have had 
a demoralizing effect on many Catholics, if not most Catholics, mm-hmm. uh, and priests like myself. Um, it's often felt demoralizing sure. at that point. Um, as you know, the stream of headlines that I share in in the introduction there, I was uh, in the diocesan seminary of Boston during the long Lent of 2002, which was when the major priestly sex abuse scandal hit the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was ordained by Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. Um, I did not know at the time uh, what he'd been accused of and sure. um, what he apparently is guilty of. Um, and uh, I think a lot of, and so, and what that, the effect that it's had on me, a lot of those news headlines and a lot of that history is, um, it's made me feel very let down and disappointed. Right. And I meet a lot of lay people who feel the same way. Sure. And um, I think where my great disappointment comes from and a lot of disappointment in a lot of the, the lay faithful is that um, there's a particular wound that comes from being let down by fathers. Um, and it can be a particularly deep wound. Um, that fathers we look to to protect us uh we look to uh for strength um and i think what we saw with a lot of the scandals is a lack of strength and a lack, lack of protection mm-hmm. and um part of um what the book is intended to be and at least it was for me as it was a bit cathartic for me in writing was um when we have those temptations and those father wounds where we feel let down um, it's a reminder for us that even if our human fathers, whether they be our spiritual fathers, whether it be our natural fathers, have let us down, um, we have a heavenly father who is God, who loves us and who will not let us down, never lets us down. And it's a reminder for us and for people who I think are disappointed right now um, that not to get discouraged, not to leave the faith, um, but to realize that we have this faithful father who loves us and um, who is there for us. And um, Jesus teaches us that in his word, especially in the Gospel of John. And um, so the book is really, um, you know, I'm not sure. The the symptom is that I see a lot of father wounds, and what the the book is trying to address is those wounds by reminding us that even if we have human and spiritual fathers who let us down, that we have a Heavenly Father who will not let us down, and we have that based on the testimony of the incarnate word um, who gives us his word and his promise and seals it in his blood that our father is faithful and loves us. Amen. And again, 33 days to greater glory, uh, Father Michael Gately, my guest, and it's really a way of walking uh, with Jesus to the father. And so why don't we begin? Um, You start out uh, day one of the 33 days to greater glory, taking a look uh, at the... um, uh, that we have a prophet like Moses. Uh, tell us, what's the distinction here between Moses and this prophet? Yeah, the, you know, we, we know the story with Moses that he had a very privileged experience of God um, uh, among everyone in Israel. Like, he had this, this particular intimacy and he had the, with, with God that he spoke to him as with a friend. Um, and that there was a, a situation where Moses so much longed to see God that he begged the Lord to see his face. And the Lord told him, you cannot see my face because no one can see my face and live. Mm-hmm. But the, our merciful Lord um, allowed Moses, he put him in the cleft of a rock and the Lord passed by and he lifted his hand so that <clears throat> what Moses was able to see was just the Lord's back. 
but that uh, that was a, the most glory that that it seemed that a man could take. Yes, um, of seeing the Lord's glory. But uh, there was a promise in Deuteronomy of a prophet like Moses, mm-hmm. um, and that the promise of a future prophet like Moses would be one who, as Pope Benedict the Sixteenth points out in Jesus of Nazareth, his, his wonderful book uh, on our Savior, that. Um, that the prophet like Moses would be would have an experience of God even greater than that of Moses, where Moses uh, just saw the Lord's back, that the prophet like Moses would uh, speak with authority because he would actually see God face to face. And that prophet like Moses um, is Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is not only the one who sees God the Father, but he is, abides in the, in the bosom of God the Father. Uh, Father Michael, hold it there. We'll be back in just a minute. Father Michael Gately looking at 33 days to greater glory. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Father Michael Gately. He is the uh, author of the enormously popular 33 Days to Morning Glory, also 33 Days to um, Merciful Love, and we now have his third in that series, 33 Days to Greater Glory, and it's a look at uh, consecration of our lives to the Father through Jesus. And he uses the Gospel of John for his uh, template, and it's a it does a fantastic job with it. In fact, Father, why don't you get us started uh, with your opening to the Gospel of John? There's this beautiful line in the very first chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, it's one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John, and it really gets to the heart of who this prophet like Moses is. It says, uh, no one has ever seen God, the only begotten Son, who's in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. Yes. That, yes. that Jesus Christ is the one who sees the Father and is able to communicate to us who the Father is because he sees the Father face to face. He's one with the Father. He has an intimacy with the Father. And in fact, um, that this prophet unto Moses, like the great passion of the heart of Jesus, is that he sees the Father. He knows the Father, and he realizes that we do not know the Father as we should. We do not know the Father's love and his tenderness and his goodness as the Son eternally sees the Father. And so the pa- great passion of Jesus' life is to make known to us what he has seen, which is why there's a common theme in the Gospel of John where he's Jesus is constantly saying, come and see, come and see, what do you seek? And ultimately what we all seek, whether we realize it or not, is the face of the Father. And we see the face of the Father through the face of the Son, yeah. because whoever sees the Son sees the Father. And, um, and so this prophet like Moses is way surpasses Moses. There's a greater than Moses here in Jesus Christ, because he doesn't see God's back, he sees his face, and he communicates us the beautiful tenderness and mercy and love that he sees in the Father. Uh, and under this, the New Covenant, we're able to see what Moses was not able to see. Uh, and, That's right. I mean, really, history has a direction here, and God has revealed himself, uh, again, much more fully uh, under the New Covenant and uh, in Jesus. Uh, you also, again, I'm going just through the beginning. I want people to get a sense of the trajectory of this uh, of mm-hmm. this book. Um John the Baptist comes on the scene. Uh, what's the significance of John the Baptist? For me, um, the significance of John the Baptist is that he is the one who really shake us, helps shake us out of our worldly categories 
where so many of us, whether we realize it or not, you know, have experienced the pull of the world and have been corrupted in one way or another by the world, that we have a certain degree of hypocrisy in us. And John the Baptist was one who I believe was really free of hypocrisy, that he um, really, even before the kingdom was fully announced, was already living according to the kingdom. And what he announces as he prepares the way for Christ and as he announces Christ, um, he shows that the heart of the, of the kingdom it's not the pride and ego, which is what is what marked by the world and marked by so much of our lives, because we all have egos. We all have a struggle with selfishness. Mm-hmm. And what John shows us is that the way of the kingdom, that the way to prepare our hearts to be able to see Christ, because if we see Christ, we'll see the Father. And But the only way to really see the Son and to see the Father is to enter into the atmosphere, so to speak, the, the, the attitude that is essential for the kingdom and that fundamental attitude is humility. Um, and we see that in John the Baptist, you know, he's the one who says, I'm not worthy to even untie the, you know, undo this sandal, um, that he must increase. I must decrease. Um, he's the one that when all the, with the other disciples, when the disciples of John start going to Jesus, John in John, there's no envy. There's no jealousy. He rejoices uh, that the bride, that the bridegroom has come. And so what John the Baptist really shows for us is, is the, one of the fundamental uh, attitude, I think, of the kingdom, uh, and that's humility. And we see it especially, at least for me, um, in the way that he announces Jesus. Um, and he wants us to see him. And what does he want us to see? He says, behold, the Lamb of God. And, of course, that has a, has a poignant image in Israel with the, um, the Passover lamb and things. But there's also just the natural image of a lamb, that the way that God chooses to manifest himself to us in the announcement from John the Baptist is that he, he comes as a lamb. <laughs> and, yes. you know, you can't think of a more helpless or uh, gentle animal. Like a, a lamb is not even a sheep. It's a, young, it's, it's a, it's a sheep that's still suckling. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very mm-hmm. humble animal. And so I think that the significance of John the Baptist is that he reveals to us that humility is how we are able to see God, and that uh, he tells us, behold the Lamb of God, behold the humility of God, and John the Baptist himself expresses that humility mm-hmm. in his own attitude. Uh, that's, a, that's a great point. I, I think when we hear, I, I agree, I think when we hear Lamb of God, a, a lot of us flash immediately to the, the whole ritual of Passover, but um, the truth is, uh, the image of the Lamb uh, may be what John is really getting at here, and that is the animal that, that most reveals who God is, as you point out. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, again, I'm talking with uh, Father Michael Gately, uh, 33, 33 days to greater glory. It's a total consecration to the Father through Jesus, based on the Gospel of John. And really, I want to say, the, there's a real dramatic arc uh, to the to the book here. That This... It, it it starts out, you might say, with kind of the program notes about the major characters, and so you know you have uh, the prophet like Moses, then you have John the Baptist, and then you have the first disciples, uh, you have the Jews, you have Nicodemus, and so we're we're uh, again getting uh, acquainting ourselves with some of the great uh, characters in this drama. But were you, I I assume that you were well aware that there was this tr- you know dramatic trajectory that you were following uh, through the gospel. Yeah, I mean, I think I was aware of it, maybe not consciously as much, but um, subconsciously, because it, 
for me, this is in a sense uh, probably the most personal of all the books I've written mm, because, okay. like I was saying at the beginning, I, I I love the Gospel of John, and I've been listening to it for, like I said, upwards of 20 years, um, this audio presentation that was masterfully done by uh, Leonardo de Filippis, who actually graciously is he offers the book for uh, the uh, audio version of it for free with the book. Nice. But the idea was, um, I, I, I've listened to it so many times that uh, this was a pretty easy book. To, it took me about three weeks. <laughs> wow. It just sort of flowed out. Beautiful. Um, and, and it was, and so, but what was interesting is I didn't have so much a, a structured plan. Like really what the book is, is it's basically a commentary of, on the Gospel of John yeah. that follows the trajectory of the Gospel. And yeah. so, um, so the, there is a dramatic arc, but it's not nothing I could take credit for because it's simply <laughs> the dramatic arc that John the Evangelist himself has presents with his gospel, and right. and and what that what his dramatic arc really is 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 that he brings he brings us worldly people who are who are you know wedded to our egos and the ways of the world and the structures of the world, and he gradually brings us into the mystery of the kingdom, which. You know, um, through John the Baptist, through the first disciples. What do you seek? What do you seek? Master, where do you abide? Come and see. And then they stayed with him, and they saw where, where he abide. And what they realized is that the Son, Jesus, abides in the Father. And yes. the trajectory of the book is that we just go further and further into the mystery of Jesus Christ, who is saying in the Gospel of John, follow me. Mm-hmm. And what we're following him into is into the bosom of the Father in which he himself dwells. We follow, we follow him into beginning to see what he himself sees, which is the tenderness, the goodness, the humility, the love, the generosity, the self-giving of the Father. And for me, the, the, the ultimate sort of cl- climax of, of the trajectory that's presented by John, that's sometimes missed by the dramatic moments of the passion and the resurrection, mm-hmm. which are sure certainly highlights of the story. But there's a certain weightiness or weight that, that John gives to the to the farewell discourse, that is, uh, the the discourse of Jesus in the upper room when yes. he's speaking to the disciples and he's speaking to the Father. And um, there's that moment where, you know, he's in the priestly prayer where he's speaking to the Father that, um, for me, really uh, brings the trajectory of the Gospel of John into the trajectory of our lives, which is which is the Eucharist, which is the Mass, where the Mass truly is the source and summit of the Christian life. But it's that. It's that expression of Jesus in the upper room of his love for the Father, because in the offering of the Mass, in that moment, that concluding doxology where we go through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father, and we pray our Father in the Mass, that, 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 that the Gospel of John is really leading us to the liturgy and leading us to the offering of the Mass, where Jesus offers himself with us to the Father in the, in the Spirit. So it's, it's um, for me, the trajectory of the book, it's, it's the Gospel of John, but it's also, you know, I've had 20 years of intensely listening to the Gospel of John, but probably, you know, 30 years of intensely participating in Mass, or maybe 20 years, because <laughs> I was distracted most of the time, <laughs> the first 10, 15 years. Uh, but but the, the trajectory, I think the subconscious formation that I've received in liturgy after liturgy after liturgy is really seeing that everything really culminates in the Father. And we learn that from the Word, especially the Gospel of John. And we learn that from the liturgy, as we see in the concluding doxology, and when we pray the prayer that Jesus Himself taught us, our Father. Well, uh, this I think is a magnificent uh, job, and I 
I am, I'm confident this is going to receive, again, the same kind of enthusiasm uh, that your other work ha- has received. Um, I, I, I think it just, um, it, the, the, the spirit of Jesus' mission, his passion, his uh, being in the bosom of the Father and disclosing to us who the Father is, it really does. It's on every page of this book. And uh, I want to thank you for being with me today and for your work, which has, again, been so influential in the lives of so many people. And uh, I hope we can talk again. I, I hope so, too. Al, has been, it's been wonderful being with you and sharing uh, the love that we both have for the Father. So yeah. thank you for, for letting me be with you. Thank you. Father Michael Gately, 33 Days to Greater Glory. Um, you, many of you are familiar, of course, with his earlier work. Uh, 33 Days to Morning Glory and then 33 Days to Merciful Love. This is uh, 33 Days to Greater Glory. Again, consecration to the Father through Jesus based on the Gospel of John. And it's organized beautifully. Uh, First of all, think of it as a devotional commentary to the Gospel of John. And he divides it up week one, week two, week three, week four. Week one is kind of an introduction to all the characters that you're going to be dealing with through the gospel. So you're introduced to the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, to Nicodemus. You're introduced to, quote, the Jews, the first disciples, John the Baptist. Week two, you've got the seven signs that are really the structure of the gospel of John. The third week is with Jesus in the upper room in his farewell discourse. And week four, of course, is the passion and resurrection of Jesus. So it is, it's beautiful, 33 Days to Greater Glory by Father Michael Gately. I'm Al Cresta.